0: Chip team.
1: I'm Xavier Scruggs, and you're listening to The Bigs.
2: I mean, that's been my whole career, you know, guys having doubts. Uh, uh, people always doubt that, that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish things. And I was like, OK, I'm going to prove these people wrong, because I know what Albert Pujols
1: can do. That is Albert Pujols, first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Pujols is a certifiable legend three NL MVPs, 10 All-Star games, two World Series rings, and fifth on the all-time homer list. He's one of the best to ever do it. And he's a personal hero of mine.
0: The one, two. breaking <laughs> Ball, out left field, the line. This one's got a chance to go. Goal! Big fly for Albert Pujols, number 600.
1: Pujols has accomplished everything you could ever hope to on the field, and someday he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But he's also prioritized relationships during his time in this game and helped countless young players along the way. I'm going to chat with Pujols about his start in the Dominican Republic, how he tries to make every teammate comfortable around him, and which moments mean the most from 21 years in the majors.
2: I'm just going to be grateful to say and thankful to say to my grandkids one day I played with that kid and, and that generation was the best player in the game, you know. And player like Mike Trout only comes every 50, every 100 years.
1: Also, I should say that we talked back in April, a month before he was released by the Los Angeles Angels and joined the Dodgers. Stay with us. What's going on, Albert? Hey, brother, how are you? It's always a privilege to sit down and learn from someone who's achieved greatness like Pujols. But for me, this is extra special. I joined the Cardinals organization in 2008 when he was at the absolute peak of his career.
0: Down the left field line, and it is gone! Off the foul pole for number 300 for Albert Pujols.
1: So when I was grinding in the minor leagues, this is literally the guy I was dreaming about playing with and seeing his work ethic firsthand inspired me. Albert, man, first, I just want to say thank you, man. I want to thank you to being somebody that I could look up to and say, okay, that's what real work looks like. I get to see it firsthand. So I want to say thank you for that.
2: Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. It means a lot because I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we get the ability and the talent the Lords provide us with that. And the opportunity is up to us, you know, to take advantage of the opportunity that we have given to us and put it into work.
1: Pujos was born in the Dominican Republic, where baseball is a way of life. He grew up playing, sometimes with a milk carton for a glove and a lime for a ball. But he knew a pro career was no guarantee he also had to get an education. Can you describe what it was like for you and your upbringing in the Dominican Republic and, and touch on your family and how you first came to love the game?
2: Yeah, brother. I mean, I was you know, born and raised in the Dominican Republic uh, as a you know, young age, my mom and dad divorced. I was three years old. I can remember that fight it's still right now is in my head, You know, that fight that they had that kind of broke everything. And I was raised by my grandma and my dad. So, you know, really humble. I, I always say that, you know, looking out right now, 20 years later, going back, I was really grateful to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, I, I wouldn't say that I was poor, poor. I was kind of a little bit below of the middle class. But I think one thing that my family was giving me was the education, the support that I needed it. I just, you know, just like a young little boy growing up, going to school, playing baseball, just wanted to, you know, really have an opportunity to become a professional baseball player. I didn't get that opportunity in the DR. Uh, when I was about 15 and a half, almost 16, I moved to the United States. And I just started going to school, for stage high school, no English at all. Talking about culture, bro, like... You taking me out of front the Dominican Republic, a third world country, moving to United States. It, it was like, what? No English at all, man. It was it was really tough. It was really tough. But one thing that my dad always had taught me is like, if you want to accomplish something in life, uh, you have to work hard for it.
1: Was baseball always kind of the the main goal? Was it always like, I, I need to be in the major leagues? Was there something else that you were thinking along the way? Or was it always like, yo, I'm going to be a major leaguer one day and that's that's it?
2: You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Baseball saved me from doing any bad things. I mean, I never drank in my life, even though my dad was an alcoholic and even though my dad divorced uh, my mom at a young age, I never drink, I never smoked in my life. I wasn't never like a big I never went out and party. It was all focused on either go to school and go play baseball. I mean, I could have got spanked my my grandpa and my dad because because I would've been late, you know, in the baseball field and I didn't come home and finish my homework. But, you know, I always said that the education was something in my life. That I always knew that I could control. Going to school, try to get a diploma—that was something that I had to get. I had—I knew that I was able to control that. Baseball, I knew that I cannot control that in my life. That almost like throwing a, a quarter to the hessel tail. You never know. You know how it is, bro. I saw everything growing up. You know, i, I saw people, you know, getting killed. I saw, um, you know, people selling drugs, alcohol everything, you name it, you know? But I think at the end of the day, what helped me was the discipline that I want to have in the game of baseball, if I wanted to accomplish what I want. And that was to hopefully one day be a a professional baseball athlete. That was my dream, but I was still proceeding my career. I wanted to be an engineer, you know? That was something that I wanted to do. And then, you know, baseball came, because I love the game. As you know, you, you played it down there, it's just a different environment. I mean, it's crazy for people that play down in the Dominican and just in the blood, you know, people love the game of baseball.
1: After a few months in New York, Pujols finished high school in Independence, Missouri. He crushed junior college pitching for a year, and then her teams were interested in taking him as early as the second round of the 1999 draft he made it clear that he would only sign if a team agreed to pay for him to finish his college degree. But when draft day came, he wasn't selected until 402nd overall. 401 players picked ahead of arguably the greatest right-handed hitter of all time. Pujols used the draft slight as motivation and debuted in the majors less than two years later.
0: Ground ball, Perez will get it. Base hit, Pujols, his first hit in the big leagues. He'll probably ask for the souvenir as Pujols gets his very first hit.
1: Talk to me a little bit about having that chip on the shoulder and then actually getting to the major leagues. Um, you know, within a year, did it feel good to kind of prove people wrong in that sense? It's not
2: that, that round that you get drafted. I think, yes, if you get one, the first two rounds, always going to get a little bit better Look, the uh, 19 round at 20 or you know, 402 in the draft, whatever it is. But I think, you know, when the Lord has something for you, brother, it doesn't matter what's saying in the middle, bro. He's going to accomplish that mission. And for me, yes, I didn't understand at that time why I went through that process. But now, 21 years later, I looked the whole picture, and it was it's the best thing that happened for me. You know, because if I would have gone in the ninth round, I don't know where I would have been. I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to to make it to the league in one year like I did with the Cardinals. You know, or if I would have gone and signed in the 10th round with Boston and I didn't sign with them because they didn't want to pay for my education. And then there comes the Cardinal and draft me in the 13th round, you know, and still it wasn't about the money because I would have signed for a pair of shoes or a dirty batting glove. I didn't care. I won the opportunity. For me, it was the education that I want to take care of. Remember, that was my main goal. Have a team pay for the school. Yes, because I didn't know if I was going to make it. I didn't know. You know how many injuries can happen. And, you know, it's no guarantee to you that you're going to be in the big leagues. So, uh, I remember you know hearing some rumors that it was almost like a favor. I mean, that's that's been my whole career, you know, guys having doubts. Uh, uh people always doubt that, that I wasn't gonna be able to accomplish things, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna prove these people wrong because I know what our pools can do.
0: Oh, on the pool in the air left field, and pools is given St. Louis the lead. A dramatic.
2: disbelief here in Houston I have great teammates great coaches um you know they taught me the right way Uh, I I was always a a good listener I was always one of those guys that they had to tell me hey can you just shut up for a little bit that means you you asking too many questions (laughs) I want to get better and I want to really um you want to soak it all in right don't yeah don't want to waste the opportunity and i think right now in this era those are the things that i don't see Mm. it's just you know this era you know i came from a different generation and i see the new new generation which i don't want to criticize that but i just wish that those young players right now take advantage having me around because you know you're talking about war series 21 years in the league i can help them so m- much not just um you know helping with hitting but mm-hmm. mentally preparing the game you know that that's something that you cannot type a your computer and tell you oh mentally this is going to help me no 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 that's had to be by experience i love to talk to my my teammates you know and and the young players and one thing that I try to encourage them is, hey, come and ask questions. Don't be nervous. Don't, don't stay in the corner. Don't wanna, so I'm aware mm-hmm. of that. And I make sure that they're, if they're in the same room that I'm in, make sure that they're comfortable. Because, you know, one thing that I have learned through the process in my career is if you make somebody comfortable, you can always get the best out of that person, right? And and that's something that I didn't know that, and I had to learn it that way, you know. So it's been an unbelievable career, brother. It's, I know it's my last year, my contract. I don't think I'm I'm done yet. Uh, the Lord hasn't revealed that. I feel good. I feel healthy, and uh, you know, I'm just like I say, bro. Uh, I'm I'm just really grateful and thanks for for everything that I that I have done and accomplished.
0: In a
1: career full of accomplishments, Pujols isn't done yet. But the more I talked to him, the more it became clear that what he's going to cherish most has little to do with the record books. That's all after a break. Welcome back. I'm talking to Albert Pujols. When Pujols made the Cardinals' opening day roster in 2001, he was joining a veteran team that would eventually win 93 games.
0: Albert Pujols goes deep again. Just a majestic, breathtaking home run. High over the 362 marker out there. 3-3 three to three and Pujols has delivered all of the Cardinals' runs.
1: He quickly learned that even if you're having one of the greatest rookie seasons in MLB history, Well, it's still your rookie season, but the relationships he built that first year would shape his approach as a teammate for the next two decades. Albert, talk to me about, I know I'm taking you back a little bit, 2001, Um, just more specifically about those teammates, a a Mark McGuire, a Daryl Kyle, a Jim Edmonds. Like, is there any specific moments that kind of stick out to you being the youngest player on a team with veterans like that? Remember, I just said a minute ago, making
2: people around you comfortable so you can get the best out of it. That's where those guys were for me. They believe in me. They believe that I can help the organization. They believe that I belong here, and they make me that. Daryl Kyle, I remember Daryl Kyle. You know, I mean, who was a really close friend of mine, told me, "Don't be afraid of making the All-Star team." I remember sitting in in Houston with her during Biden practice, watching Bauer and Biggio and Berkman, you know, before the game. And, and we talk about hitting, talking about pitching, you know, he was always telling me about how the pitchers, you know, are going to approach me. And then he would try to pick on me, like, how I'm thinking at the play. and am like, Daryl, I'm not going to give you my secret. What about if I had to face you the next year or something? You know, he's like, and he looked at me, he's like, dang, you're good. You know, like, he knew. So, my wire, you know, watching Mark uh, his last year, I'm so grateful. Mark is one of my biggest influence and friends, you know. Um, I mean, I still pick the phone anytime I want and talk to Mark about hitting.
0: Goodness me, oh my. Number 24 for Maguire.
2: Um, you know, I hit with hanging his kids this offseason. The last couple of years I have done that, but, you know, just the relationship, you know, that you built with Jimmy, Mike Martini, and then the Latin guys, you know, Fernando Vina, Edgar Renteria, Placido Polanco, those guys really, it was just a, a really good environment, man. And, and, and I think that allowed me to have that kind of year that I have in 2001 because if I wouldn't felt that love and, and that welcome in the clubhouse, I think I would have put so much pressure on myself. And because of that, they were able to get the best out of me because the way that they made me feel and that clubhouse that I belong there. And and remember, I was a 21 year old. I mean, everybody, I think that everybody else was like 30 something. You know, I was, you know, I mean, we got the Bobby Bonilla, the Placido, the Brentarilla, I mean, all those guys are, you know, they're like seven or eight years older than me. But it was just a great group of guys. And I'm blessed and honored to have that opportunity because if I wouldn't have it early in my career, I probably wouldn't learn as much as I know right now.
1: Did Albert Pujols get the rookie treatment at all? Uh, maybe carrying somebody's bag, any pranks, anything like that during the first year? <laughs> oh, yeah, buddy. You know everybody gets it. <laughs> Nobody gets a break. As of, of right now,
2: is because... Uh, maybe the baseball has changed rules, you know. But hey, you know, I I got dressed up too. I I carry beer. <laughs> I you know, I had to go get some coffee even during the game for the veteran guys. I had to do everything. And to me, I didn't understand at that time because I was playing and I'm like, well, how if I'm playing, you want me to go get your coffee? You're not playing, you will get it. Like I, <laughs> I didn't say that, but I like, okay, I go do it, you know. But it was, I think Placido Polanco told me the like this if you show that you are frustrated and you don't want to do it, they're gonna be on you a whole year. And and that was a wisdom, you know, message that he gave me. And I was like, okay. And then I did those things, and by a month or two, bro, I was like, I wasn't even carrying any more beer or anything. Like it was crazy. And then later on in the year, uh, I think it was laying August, I think it was but. Smith that came up and then he started carrying some beers and so between him and I but it was like you know that you don't get away nobody gets a pass on that bro nobody gets a pass nobody so it was it was worse back then than now
1: you talked a little bit earlier just about kind of that relationships and and being a mentor to a lot of the younger players in the game talk to me about what that interaction is like with Mike Trout right he's Mm -hmm. one of the the best in the game today how Mm -hmm. special is this kid and what is that interactions like with you and him
2: well we try to what you see is what you get man just he's he's pretty special on the field but he's even special off the field he's a great human Mm -hmm. being and I mean that kid, you said he's the best player in the game right now. Nothing surprised me now. I mean, the, the guy's amazing.
0: <laughs> Inside part of the plate Now Pujols to left center field. B.J. Upton going back. He looks up. Back-to-back home runs by Trout and Pujols. The 16th of the year for Albert Pujols. Well, we said it at the top of the show. This team has star power. Some of the greatest players to play in the last 15 years.
2: Uh, he has such a great talent. He's been raised by, uh, you know, a great, great family. His mom and dad are great people. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I, ha- I used to hit him behind him, so I had the, the, the best seat in the house right. for a while. <laughs> and, uh, man, it was just uh, such a special, such a special human being. You know, he cares about his teammates. Um, mm-hmm. He wants to win so bad, but, you know, he want to make sure that, that that smile that you see in the field, that's the same smile, whether Mike crowd goes five for five or go for five, like it, it doesn't change, you know, and I remember, you know, his first year, he didn't make the ball club, but, you know, he got called up like a month later, you know, when we were in Cleveland and just that smile around me, he was like my little shadow, you know, follow me everywhere asking questions. It's the same thing that I was doing with the veteran guys. Trout is really special, man. And I, uh, you know, future Hall of Fame, hopefully he stays healthy. He's going to be the guy, you know, that's probably going to break a lot of the records, you know, that I already established and a lot of the people that I already passed, he's going to be passing me too. And and I'm just going to be grateful to say, and thankful to say to my grandkids one day I play with that kid and, (laughs) <laughs> and that generation was the best player in the game, you know. And player like Mike Trout only comes every 50, every 100 years. Mm-hmm. Fans need to see back, tight up, because it's, it's just a long ride, you know. It's just pretty special to see this.
1: Tell me, is there one moment that kind of sticks out for you throughout your whole baseball career that's one or two? I know you got a lot of them. Is there one or two that really just stick out
2: for, for you? It was number one. For me, uh, you know, winning the World Series in 2006.
0: For the first time since 1982, St. Louis has a World Series winner.
2: To be able to accomplish that and raise that championship trophy and kind of like all that way that you carry with another 30, 40 guys during the course of the season, they they call-up and the guys that go up and down in the trade, plus the manager and coaches, and to carry all that way and knowing, like, wow, we did it. It's the best feeling. That's the best feeling. That was the best feeling for me. Then it took over in 2011 with the World Series. Uh, you know, the 300-run game, I mean, it was pretty amazing. I
0: had to watch. two holes have four hits, two runs. And he hits me. two run home run and now a solo blast and Albert Pujols has tied Reggie Jackson with three home runs against the Rangers in game three.
2: I remember and it gave me a even to talk about it because I'm in Texas right now just you know 20 minutes away from it, where it happened but I remember I didn't have a hit yet I'm and then I remember jumping in the bus and I told the guy, I had a feeling that I was going to have a huge game. I didn't know that I was going to hit three hummers. Dumb, you know? But I knew that I was going to do something special. And I told my wife when I wake up that morning, I was like, Diddy, I think today I'm going to do something special in the game. I feel it. I just feel it. Just like that home run that I hit against right legs, Like, I just felt it. And I jump in the bus and I told the guys, Hey, everybody jump on me today. It's my day, and they're like, yeah, whatever, you know. And then I went out there, you know, and then had that perform, you know, in the in the World Series. But, but I think uh, going back two years ago, brother, going to San Louis after a year and play in 2019 in front of 45,000 people that saw me uh, growing up in baseball and, and support my career for 11 years. That have to be number one, you know, be able to go back to Bush Stadium that moment to be able to hit a home run on that Saturday day game on Fox.
0: And that is driven out to deep left field. That is Anaheim. Big fly for Albert Pujols.
1: The crowd cheers loudly, not letting up. Remember, Pujols plays for the other team, the Angels, and at this point hasn't been a Cardinal for eight years. But the crowd doesn't care. Pujols will always be their guy. He rounds the bases, gives Mike Trout a big hug, high fives his teammates in the dugout, and the crowd is still cheering. After a minute of ear-splitting applause at an away game, Pujols comes back out of the dugout to tip his cap, to thank the fans. That
2: tops everything mommy wise that tops everything to me. So if I had to put it, remember I say war series, then the three-run game, then if I had to put it, it's got to be that moment in 2019 going back to San Louis, you know, the way the defense had treated me. Then the war series and then the 300 run game that I have in the war series in 2011. Those I mean, those are the top 3 moments of my career, you know. I mean, I had a lot of great ones, but you know that's how I I can rank.
1: Obviously, you've had interactions with guys like Stan Musial and Bob Gibson, and so many of the greats within this game. Is there something that you want to leave this game um, when it's all said and done?
2: Um, I think uh, for me, I always said it. This is just the human being, the Christian guy, the father, the you know the the, the husband. Uh, that to me is more important. You know the they serve the community. They made an impact in the community for the kingdom. So I try to really enjoy it with family and friends. But I think at the end of the day, what touched me the most is, you know, in the off season, getting in a plane, going down with my team, with the foundation, and serving those poor community in the Dominican Republic, getting my my hands dirty. There's nothing that satisfies me better than that. Uh, not even that 300 game, not even that mumming in St. Louis, not even the championship. Uh, just serving and giving back. That's something that it took me a while to learn that, but I'm grateful that it took me a while because it made me appreciate more all the things that I've done. So that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. Um, you know, not just the legacy of the great baseball player.
1: Oh, you know what time it is. It's time for the X Factors. Our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah, don't trick me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't be throwing me a slider through two or an knuckleball when I'm looking for the
1: yeah. password. <laughs> oh, man. we we know you cover both of them. We know you cover both. <laughs> Anyways, I, if you could go back and tell your ten year old self one thing, what would it be? Ten year old self, don't think too much. Mm, don't good. think too much. Let's keep it simple. If you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Wow, man. Rice, chicken, and beans.
2: I'll give you one plate. Yeah, rice, chicken, and beans, man. The only thing, if I (laughs) I do that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be 400, 500 pounds. (laughs) No healthy
1: for you. (laughs) If you were not a professional baseball player, what would you be today?
2: Well, I think I was pursuing my engineering career. Uh, you know, I was also a decent basketball player, but I don't think I was good enough to obviously make it to the NBA. Hey, you had
1: a jumper? You yeah, had a man, jumper? I was a I was
2: a point guard. I was a point guard. Yeah, <laughs> I love basketball, bro. I, I still, you know, go around, but not anymore. Like, you um, know, I'm 41. I need to take care of those knees.
0: <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah, man. Well, Albert, man, you are off the hot seat and I I appreciate you jumping on here with me. It's been uh, it's been special for me. And just being able to look up to you, like I mentioned earlier, um, it's been special watching your whole career. Um, I know you're not done yet, so keep doing what you do, man. And blessings to you and the family and keep it up, man. Blessings to you and yours, brother. That was Albert Pujols, first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave us a review. It helps new listeners find the show. You can discover more MLB shows at mlb.com slash podcasts. Follow at MLB on all your favorite social media platforms, especially YouTube and TikTok. And follow me. I'm at Xavier underscore Scruggs on all the platforms. Our audio team is from Neon Hum Media, and includes producers Haley Fager and Rob Dozer, production manager Sammy Allison, and executive producers Jonathan Hirsch and Shara Morris. Editorial support from Nick White and Vikram Battelle. Mixing and engineering by Scott Somerville. On the MLB team, production support from extraordinary athletes. Ian K is MLB's executive producer for podcasts. Special thanks to Barbara McHugh, Greg Claiman, Alicia Mullen, and Lance Gitlin. Music by Asha Ivanovich. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.